Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the penultimate episode of Feed the Beast here on AfterBuzz TV. Abby Vega is not here with me today, but fear not, I will dissect the episode. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is kind of very jazzy music. Things are going good. But not in Feed the Beast land. Um, as I mentioned, we do not have Abby Vega today. Um, it's just me, Phil Svitek. But for our special segment, Wine Time, for those of you who are very uh, avid listeners, you guys might have remembered me talking about an intern here at AfterBuzz who was named Becca Brown. And uh, you know what? I was doing some wine tastings with her. So I brought her in specifically for the special segment. She does not watch the show, unfortunately. Um, but she will be joining me for that Say hi, Becca. Hi. <laughs> That's right. All right. Now, Becca has to listen to me talk about Feed the Beast for the next couple of minutes. At least 30. I'll be educated. That's right. <laughs> uh, where to begin? So much happens. Um, uh, let, let's start with this right off the bat. Uh, the whole notion of TJ being Tommy's son and whatnot is at the forefront. That's where we, we pick off things. And... <laughs> it's interesting how well each other, how well Tommy and Dion know each other because they're they're both doing the math, um, or at least they're certainly thinking about it in terms of you know Tommy's calculating. Okay, when was the last hookup of Ray and and Dion, and when was TJ born? And you know I, I, I respect Tommy in the sense that he keeps bringing these things up into the the the. the um, the, the front, if you will, the, the, the light. Uh, and, you know, he's not afraid to ask Dion these things, um, you know. And what I'm most surprised about this episode in particular is the fact that, I, you know, I thought things were really boiling up. And yet, you know, here is, obviously we knew Dion was coming back to the restaurant, but here's Pilar still as well. And um, even though things are very tense, obviously, at the same time, uh, you know, life goes on, uh, the, the day... You know, the sun comes out, if you will. And so here they are really uh, dealing with it in a way. Um, And obviously so much happens in between. But the fact that at the end, um, Dion can even... That Tommy, I mean, can even look at Dion and say, Okay, hey, uh, you know, this is your place as well. Go and have your room. That's something, um, you know. And he was getting to a place where it'll be interesting fully because um, the switch, the big switch of Tommy in this episode is the idea that, you know what, that perhaps what Dion has been saying about the truth all along is that sometimes it's best to hide the truth and not really think about the truth and, and, you know, just go with that. And the fact that um, Tommy is accepting of the lie, uh, certainly with TJ, and then uh, also meaning the gun, but then also the con swab to get the DNA to, to really test if it's his son or not. Um, he's just going to go along with the fact that he knows in his heart of hearts that TJ is his son, and therefore a test is not necessary. Now, obviously, the thing of that is that, uh, you know, a, you can do a test at any moment, so, uh, you know, if there's ever time in the future, not saying necessarily in the season finale, but if, if there was to be a season two or, or more seasons beyond that, um, if things get questionable again, Tommy can always still do that test. It's not like he's uh, 
choose you know this this choice in the moment affects it for the rest of his life like he can uh, he can always kind of fix that if you will um, or at least find out um, so very interesting and, and 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 poor you know poor TJ and all of this continues to be neglected and and uh, you know, in some ways, while Tommy was obviously, even before knowing about the Ray thing, uh, upset that Dion was, that TJ was latching on to Dion a lot more, obviously now this at the forefront, uh, he told Dion to, to be cut out of his life. And so here's this kid. Um, and a lot of I, I was reading a couple of reviews and episode reviews to, to kind of help me out with tonight. And a lot of them were saying, the fact that uh, here, here's this poor kid TJ traumatized, and yet no one, no one really seems to notice. I mean, you know, now, we've pinpointed here between Abby and myself the fact that every time, like th- this kid can't walk outside without hearing some sort of sound that triggers a response regarding the accident of his mom. Uh, so definitely not a great place to be in. And every time that trigger, every time he hears that trigger, his. Uh, his coping mechanism has become these drawings, but you know I don't know. It's it's tough to identify for me whether or not it's actually therapeutic or not. Um, and you know him drawing the mural with um, with with the girl we haven't seen in in quite some time. You know I I, I, I would I thought that was going to be like a little bit of a light for their friendship, and, and that perhaps you know through these murals he would open up um, and eventually even talk. Obviously, the show has not gone that route, and instead, you know, his mural got destroyed by Andre, which has led to this. Uh, but, you know, you, you could, in in some weird way, uh, what what I love about the show is that there's there's no black or white; it's always gray. And you know, one of the bigger things of tonight was that okay, the reason why TJ is Tommy's son is the fact that uh, TJ has a good head on his shoulder. Um, and I forget the exact quote, but regardless of, you know, if he, even TJ was Dion's son, he learned his good behavior from Tommy. And that was Pilar's point. Uh, which, you know, isn't necessarily the best way to look at it. Uh, you know, at least if you're Tommy, because that's not what you want to necessarily hear. Um, but I do agree with the fact that it was Tommy's doing that has taught TJ to be good. Um, and in this case, good being relative in the sense that, you know, he brought the gun. And, and Abby and I were speculating about what TJ would do with this gun. And you know what? For all of our crazy theories where we, we thought, okay, there's not going to be a bullet, but maybe he's going to scare Andre, that would have still gotten TJ in trouble. So in this regard, uh, obviously he gets Andre in trouble, but it doesn't come back to, um, you know, have any repercussions for TJ, at least at the moment, um, you know, and 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 I like that they put to bed any notion, at least for the moment, where the 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 gun can't be traced. It's you know, um, and whatnot. As Aiden says, like, what do you think? I'm stupid. Um, however, the guidance counselor, I feel like th- there was that look, and as she was watching TJ get in the car, and and Tommy and Dion as well. I think she's suspecting a little bit something more, um, you know, because she knows that something something was too perfect about this. Um, this is this is Andre's first day back, 
and here there's a gun in his locker and the fact of the note being you know anonymous note tipping him off uh she knows something's off and i think i think she's gonna figure something out in the in the season finale um and it'll be interesting i the main thing that I'm most curious about is the note and how it was written, uh, because obviously handwriting, like it's going to be one of the first things that she can go to is to check. Okay, here's what TJ's handwriting looks like versus the note, and then if there's any sort of match, then it becomes obvious. Now, if 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 he was smart enough to kind of change it up a little bit, you know, there's still indications that it could be him. So it's it's. I'm very curious to see how that happens, but um, I do have to applaud, <laughs> much like Dion and Aiden, for uh, this curious lover, uh, little plan that TJ put together. But much in that same way, I am conflicted, much like Tommy is, about okay, I, I it is while it is very clever, you know, what what is the lesson to be learned here, and how would I, if I did have kids? Uh, ultimately kind of deal with TJ uh, you know for this and you know I I think in some ways the fact that TJ uh, you know snuggles up with Tommy is an indication that he understands what he actually did and and the repercussions that does have for Andre Uh, to be fair everyone is right about Andre this kid is a little dipshit so, um, you know, I, I think one way, shape, or form, he would have ended up getting handcuffed anyway. This is just one of those things that just sped up the process, if you will. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Tommy eventually deals with this. Because, um, obviously, the other big thing that looms is if if he went and told anybody um, at school, obviously, obviously it would have kind of spread and whatnot. Um, you know, it would have gotten out there, but the main thing is it would have gone back to Child Protective Services, which isn't already looking too fondly over at uh, at Tommy the way it is. And so this, this definitely would have been um, the last straw, and I think TJ would have gone into Child Protective Services, and, and, uh, and Tommy could have even possibly gone, gone to jail, I think. Um, I don't know how the full repercussions of that would have worked out in the legal system, but I, but I do think uh, he would have gotten some time. Uh, if you guys are somewhat familiar, please let me know. Also, if you guys have kids, uh, let me know what you know. How how would you guys have handled that situation? I mean, this was this was the lesser of two evils. There there was no good, um, and so definitely not an easy decision for Tommy. And in that weird sort of. Uh, perhaps soap opera-ish way or just in, in life's weird way, tragedy brings people together and that's what starts to rekindle the friendship of Tommy and Dion um, which, you know I, I, I've i liked Tommy and Dion together but but I, I, it is also very difficult for me to, you know, I, if I was in Tommy's shoes, I don't know if I, for, I could forgive Dion so um, the fact that he's slowly making steps towards that um i don't know maybe he is a really good man you know um but obviously i I do i want to see how tommy also interacts with aiden because there's so much there uh you know the the fact that 
Aiden, from Aiden's perspective, he is literally about to die. Um, so much so that he thinks, rather than go through the pain, the whole reason why he tries to go after the gun is to see, or not to see, but but to grab the gun and basically commit suicide. And so when the gun's missing, yeah, that, that kind of changes things up. Um, and obviously in this regard, you know, I, I think he might be changing his mind. It'll be interesting to see if he he, he wants to go after Tommy to, to be a donor for the bone marrow but it's also going to be interesting because Tommy's going to be going after Aiden in a sense wanting to have words with him. You know, they left it off very open-ended um, in the sense that here's here's Aiden who has taught TJ how to fully use a gun. And that just doesn't sit right with Tommy whatsoever. And um, I think that will, uh, that will be continued certainly in the finale. So it'll be interesting to see. Um you know there uh, and I do feel be- here's the first time uh, you know speaking of Aiden that you know we, we've never seen really Jensen and Aiden interact to this level like we, and we know they have a, a very special bond and Jensen's always kind of there and knows about everything that's going on with Aiden but when when the, when the blood in the tub starts to um, you know fill the, fill the tub the fact that Aiden tells Jensen to, to leave and just let him be um, I think symbolizes something deeper because I, I don't think Jensen's ever been told to to leave the room you know um, uh, she's seen the, the pain of Aiden and uh, again I, I, it symbolized the, the giving up of Aiden I think for the first time and I, I think she knew that as well um, so uh, but, but I do want to I really like Aiden as a character, and and I do want him to confront Tommy about it and see if Tommy is willing to help, um, which would be interesting. Which, and by the way, the other thing that we speculated was, you know, the the TJ continues to be a potential donor, um, but he but Aiden doesn't want that. Uh, going back to the paternity test, Nabby and I have always speculated that this could be a way um, to figure out if you know if if tj is actually tommy's son and so even though tommy didn't necessarily want to go in search of the answer perhaps he might get the answer um without him wanting to just by the sheer nature of this uh which would in many ways be very much travesty um via so a lot a lot of deep dark stuff in this episode. Um, one of the other things that we speculated heavily on was how marissa and and or Dion would find out the connection that, you know, Guy is Marissa's father, the cop, um, and obviously that he's the father and whatnot. Now, Dion does not find out um, that Marissa and Guy are connected, but uh, but uh, Dion finds out, or that, but certainly Marissa finds out that Dion is connected with her father. Um, and in the most brilliant of ways, I have to say, we, we speculated, Abby and I speculated on some very cursory uh, sort of uh, devices, meaning, you know, a phone call, a text and whatnot, and one of them would have seen the phone. I thought it could have been heading that way because uh, the, the tooth fairy calls Dion as he's preparing breakfast. But no, instead, uh, of course, because she's still at the end of the day, um, his legal counsel, you know, he plays her the message. And she recognized that it's it's her father, and hence why she asks, "Have you played this for somebody else?" No, he hasn't. Um, it would have been interesting. I, 
I, I for sure thought she was going to delete it off his phone and justify it in some sort of legal jargon. Um, but to my not, you know, she could have still done that. We haven't seen, but I don't think she did. Um, and so the fact that, that it still remains out there is, is interesting. Um, but it gets more interesting because here's, here's Guy, our cop, who fully resigns everything after after um, he's confronted about it from Marissa. Um, yet, on the other... You know, because it, it, it's always interesting. It, it, it's almost like... Um, in many ways, it reminds me of American History X, where y- you don't really get to decide when you want out. Like, if, if a feud's going on, um, it's going on. And it's not really up to you to decide when it stops. The, the best way to, to, to stop it is to have prevented it, and unfortunately not the case... Or, or, you know, not an option for these guys because, uh, you know, the Tooth Fairy's dad is very much uh, upset with with his son for not being able to handle business, as he says. And in many ways, he's right, uh, mostly stemming from the fact that the Tooth Fairy uh, has feelings for Dion, and that's uh, lent him a soft spot for him, uh, which was a great kind of scene... Uh, I, I thought they set it up very nicely when, when the Tooth Fairy finally goes to visit Dion and he has that flashback and the fact that they, they, they touch lips, um, you know, in that flashback. Again, me, you know, Dion's just happy about the food, whereas for the Tooth Fairy, it, it actually meant something much greater. Um, and for him to have to now pound his face into the meat, uh, it was great to see how troubling that was. But at the end of the day, you know, nothing gets in the way of business for the Tooth Fairy. And so uh, he's making statements. And, you know, in many ways, statements mean death. Uh, we got quite a lot of bit, lot of death, but at least not with Dion. So he still does have somewhat of a soft spot for Dion. But it'll be interesting. Dion's got to come up with the 200K, which is a third of the money that is owed by next week. Certainly not an easy task. Uh, and the biggest thing to come out of it is that Guy is killed. Um, now, Marissa still at the end of this. Like, what, what a weird message to leave. Like, hey, I'm just confirming that we're on for breakfast tomorrow. No need to call me back. Um, so I, I, I am to assume in that regard then that Marissa initiated the brunch. Therefore, he's just kind of confirming. So, you know, they're good. Uh, but wait, it'll be, it'll be something to behold when Marissa goes to that brunch and he does not show up. Or if there's a report in the middle of the night that obviously uh, he's been murdered um, in one way, shape, or form. I, you know, it just all depends on how they dispose of the body. Uh, you know, so a, a lot going on, and I apologize for not necessarily going too deeper into it. Um, it's always a little bit more difficult when you're doing it solo. But fear not, whatever I miss, I will discuss at great length with Abby uh, for the season finale. Now, the last sort of storyline to talk about is Pilar, um, which I give her a lot of credit because I do, th- after last episode, I thought she was very much just kind of get up and go um, and leave this be. But you know what? She's, she's trying to make things work with Tommy. Um, and she she obviously knows all of his uh, troubles, and she's trying to ease them as as much as possible. And 
I, I so I give her credit for that regard, and I also, you know, she's tr- the tough part is I, I would have liked to see if she had the ability to tell him the truth, <clears throat> uh, tell the truth to Tommy, if Tommy didn't have to head out when when he sees the clock striking four thirty, because um, he's the one that leaves the conversation, um, and in particular, what one of the, one of the lines I liked is uh, Tommy says to Pilar, "You lying liar." Um, you know, meaning because it's it's funny because he's crediting her, um, in a good way that she's a fast learner for having lied to that she has management experience and now she is helping manage the restaurant quite well. Um, again, that's kind of phase one of it. Obviously, there's the fact that Oscar uh, isn't actually isn't actually a real person and she ne- never had a husband and certainly he's not dead, and the fact that. Again, the, the biggest thing of all is that history repeated itself when Pilar slept with Dion, a girl that Tommy was somewhat getting interested with. Um, so, you know what? I, I still don't... The, the most interesting part is I still don't know how to judge Pilar, but it, in so, as I said, I give her credit for at least sticking around, and she is trying... At least she, she, tro- she showed efforts in wanting to tell Tommy the truth because she knows how much it is eating away at him so i'm hoping that she does um anyway that's kind of the episode in a nutshell uh again sorry for not going as deep as perhaps uh, you guys are used to but but fear not abby will be back next week and we will talk about it um I'll get into predictions uh, soon, but as always, before we get into predictions, we're going to have wine time where, uh, for those of you who are new to the show, we talk about wine, we try to educate you guys, and we try to pair it with some some food here, so it's a fun way for us to taste the food, but also try to educate you guys as much as possible. If, uh, if you don't want to hear predictions or you don't care for wine time, you're certainly welcome to tune out. Um, you know, Thank you for, for joining me on this episode, and I'll certainly see you back for the season finale. Now, without further ado, wine time. Hit that music. That's right. We're going to get jazzy in here. <laughs> Welcome, Becca. Hi. Now, Becca, um, she's not necessarily a wine person, but, uh, you know, she does like seafood. And so today we have uh, a shrimp pasta. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking about, because Abby's done a lot of red wines, and I, I did a Riesling to begin with. And so I wanted to bring in a white wine. So I was like, okay, what, what can I bring in? Uh, so I thought about a Pinot Grigio. And uh, interestingly enough, it's Pinot Grigio, although it is a white wine, does not come from white grapes. Becca, tell us more. Pinot Grigio is zesty white wine. Speaking your mic. That is as refreshing as a cold glass of lemonade on a hot summer's day. The second most popular white wine in America... Pinot Grigio, a.k.a. Pinot Grigio, is a dry white wine that has uh, a punchy acidity. A punchy, it's got it's got an acidity to it. Yeah, it's got, yeah. you know, it's, again, it goes back, it's dry. With flavors of lemons, limes, green apples, and honeysuckle. A lot of people do, speaking of the summer day, a lot of people chill it. Ours is a little bit chilled, so... While most believe Pinot Grigio originated in Italy, it was actually born like many of the most popular grapes of the world in France, uh, where it is known as Pinot Grigio. 
thought to be a mutation of the red grape Pinot Noir. Pinot Gris skins are not green like other white. Have a little enthusiasm, white, Becca. Like, <laughs> like other white grapes, but instead have a grayish blue hue, which is what gives them their name. The wine was born in Burgundy, but found its way to Switzerland in the 1300s, where it was considered a favorite of the emperor. From here, the grape made its way to northern Italy, and the real story of Pinot Grigio was born. In Italy, Pinot Grigio became Pinot Grigio, and the wine found wide success in the regions of uh, all those places. Northeastern Italy, uh-huh. which yeah. is a lot of places. That's right. There's a bunch of places that are listed in it. Uh, Pinot Grigio has its haters among wine snobs who claim the wine is too simple and uninteresting. But it mostly stems from the fact uh, that because Pinot Grigio is so popular, its popularity has uh, resulted in mass production. And uh, in particular, a lot of those uh, wines that have been put out there have have a bad taste. They aren't, they aren't high quality, and so they give it a bad name. Uh, what the people recommend is one of the best ways to ensure that your drink is delicious and interesting is to simply avoid the budget bottles um, that are being mass-produced and have a lot of marketing behind them. Um, so there you go. That's Pinot Grigio. Now, we, like I said, it's, it's great on a hot summer day, um, and we've paired it with shrimp. Uh, what does it smell like to you, Becca? What is, what is it? Uh. How would you describe the smell? Because the smell, it uh, it precedes the taste and it, it sets you up for the great taste. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really bad at describing smells. You and Abby smells. are terrible. Why do yeah, you even try? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really bad at describing smells. All right. Well, how, how, how about t- take a take a sip? Take a sip. Okay. See what it tastes like. Um. What do you what do you what? What flavors does it evoke? Nothing. Evokes no flavor. I can't. I can't describe. Like. Oh my God! Um, you and Abby, but... I'm done. I'm done. Hit predictions. <laughs> Let's just get the predictions. It doesn't taste bad. Well, that's a start. And now you're after buzz. All right. This might be our last wine time. <laughs> Anyway, um, I'm very excited for the finale uh, to see what it has in store. Um, so much is going on, and in, in, um, in the previews, the fact that the Tooth Fairy kind of—I um, don't know if he presents the full truth, but certainly he tells Tommy something to the fact that Tommy is uh, following the Tooth Fairy, having conversations with the Tooth Fairy, um, and then Tommy goes out and. Uh, you know he has to get this 200k, and so he wants to be put in on a job now. Uh, in order to make that kind of money, it has to be a very serious job. Like you're you're about to rob a bank type of job, um, or you know even like a hit on somebody doesn't generate 200k. Like the, the, you, you got to be killing Osama bin Laden here or something to, to generate that kind of cash for a hit. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Um, and obviously, where Mar- you know how we we see a small bit of interaction between Marissa and Dion, I, I'm very curious to see where this goes. And you know what? If this is a hope, so it's honestly a prediction. But I just want TJ to speak in the like. Out of all these characters, TJ is the one who deserves anything like like the least amount of this crap that he, that that has come his way. And you know what? 
I just want the season finale to be good for him. So much so that, like, he just starts talking. Says one word, even. You know? And and gets to, like, paint the mural for the school in honor of something. Like, that. that's it. I just, I just want something good to happen to this kid. Will it? I don't know, but I certainly hope so. That's my wish. It's not a prediction. It's a wish. Becca, do you hope for the best? Yes. All right. Definitely. All right. Well, let me know what you guys think. Uh, you guys always have some really good theories. I love talking back and forth with you guys. Um, last episode, you guys uh, chimed in a lot about the Dion um, uh, Tooth Fairy relationship, which I thought was very interesting and shared your various perspectives on that. Um, I appreciate them very greatly. Uh, some of them, it's very well written, all of them. Um, as well as the other comments, of course. But continue doing that. Thank you guys for joining us. We've got the season finale coming up. So much to talk about. As mentioned, at underscore Abby Vega will be back. But in the meantime, you can certainly tweet her and talk about the episode with her. Um, at AfterBuzz TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. And ironically, Becca is the, one of the people <laughs> behind <coughs> behind all that. Yay. So. You know, when she's not drinking wine, she's doing that. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you for the season finale of AMC's Feed the Beast. Three of you. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.